Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. Uh, I'm Jeff. Uh, with me today is Brian, and we're in the middle of a two-part podcast on the Christian mindset. Mindset, attitude, beliefs, etc., that would then in turn influence our behaviors and our actions and the kinds of things we say and do. So, hey, Brian, you want to sort of... Uh, give our listeners an overview of what was in the previous podcast? Yeah, sure will. In fact, it was kind of based on a foundational passage of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, where Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so we kind of started out that podcast talking about how, you know, as Christians, we certainly want to understand how God expects us to conduct ourselves and what type of mind we should have spiritually. And because we were created in his image and his likeness, according to Genesis 1, we need to understand what that means, because ultimately, the scriptures teach us that when we sin, not only do we fall short of the glory of God, but we take ourselves away from that image. And so we spent some time in the last podcast taking a look at some foundational principles that teach us how do we restore our mindset to that image of God? How do we reshape our thinking when it's been warped, if you will, by our sin and by the world? And so we looked at things like, you know, we need to be fully committed to God. And what does that mean? We need to put our spiritual life in perspective according to how the scriptures outline that, if you will. Then Jeff spent some time talking about, you know, this battle between the spirit and the flesh. It's so critical to understand that battle and how active it is and how it's really lifelong. It's not something that we just conquer once and it goes away. And then we looked at three sections of Scripture. We looked at Galatians 5, 16 through 25, and Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And then we also gave everyone, you know, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Those three sections of Scripture specifically talk about how we can make this transition, once again, from that worldly mindset to a Christian mindset and it really focuses on, you know, putting to death those fleshly lusts and those fleshly desires and putting on the fruit of the Spirit, right? Those spiritual qualities. And so, wonderful group of passages there. And then we moved on to talk about, you know, building a spiritual foundation through applying those spiritual principles consistently. And then how prayer is an important part of that, where God gives us this privilege to approach Him if we're faithful. And pour out our hearts to him, and not only make requests and supplications for other saints, but with thanksgiving, because certainly we want to be thankful to God for everything that he's done for us. And then we finished up by looking at, you know, some key principles regarding the worship and work of the church, and how important that is for a Christian. Our mindset has to be that we want to work with the local congregation to do the Lord's work and to encourage and edify one another. So, Jeff, that was last time. And I guess we're going to shift gears now and talk about, well, what do we need to do to become more mature once we have these sort of basics down, if you will? Well, exactly. And also, last time, I guess we tended to emphasize the sorts of attitude or mindset that we needed to have, but we didn't really emphasize the things we should do to help 
grow that mindset or develop that mindset or strengthen those emotions or strengthen those attitudes. Today, we'll kind of spend more focusing on that. And then as we near the end of our podcast, as we always like to do, we'll have some representative questions and answers to go over to kind of drive some of these points home. So to kind of get us started on today's content, let's start off with Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14 with the need to be diligent and within this context uh, diligent to learn and grow so the hebrew writer uses a very natural thing that we can easily relate to in terms of people growing from being a baby or infant into a more mature adult so hebrews chapter 5 beginning verse 13 for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So as we mentioned in the previous podcast, this this is a process. You know, this is a journey where we need to constantly be feeding on God's word. Initially, some of the the softer, easier to digest, so to speak, aspects of the word. But over time, with spiritual exercise, that we can now start learning and growing more into some of the meatier subjects, if you will. And along with the learning and the growing, of course, would come our you know attitude and our and our mindset as well. Of course, part of this diligence is you know putting in the effort that's needed and again it, you know it's a journey it's a long duration journey it's not something that's done overnight it takes persistence just like in the physical world you know if you're setting aside one habit developing another habit or i think brian in the previous podcast you used the analogy of uh, exercise physical exercise you know that's kind of a process it, it, it takes effort right it takes time it take, takes dedication it takes diligence Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we see here, you know, once again, an emphasis on truth, emphasis on the scriptures, emphasis on reading, studying, learning, and then putting that into practical application. Not only in the way we behave and the things we do, of course, but also in our attitudes. And certainly as we are going through this process and learning and growing and becoming more mature in our minds and our habits and our uh, emotions, if you will, some of the uh, benefits, if you will, we are no longer, quote unquote, spiritual children. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 talks about being tossed about, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Based on that passage, we become more stable. We come, become more understanding of what God's word actually says in contrast to many of the false doctrines that might come our way via friends, via religious leaders, via things we might see on the TV or, or on the internet. We become more stable. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 which follows the verse we read earlier about presenting ourselves approved to God as a worker. Verse 21 talks about being useful for the master. We're prepared for every good work. 
1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. As we you know, learn and grow and mature, we should have a mindset uh, and an ability uh, of talking with others. Again, 1 Peter 3, verse 15, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. Jude 3 kind of expresses that as being able to earnestly contend for the faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, for those who have children, you know, our ability to teach, encourage, admonish, train them, bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Again, having the mindset and the attitude of, you know, these are the things we need to be able to do. Having the attitude of, okay, I'm going to dedicate myself to learning how to do these things. And then having the attitude of, okay, here's an opportunity. Let's go, you know, put it into practical application. In our first podcast, Brian kind of talked about the analogy the scriptures have with construction, building uh, residential homes, if you will, and the different kinds of foundations that people can build. Of course, in a spiritual sense, you know, our attitudes and our, along with our behaviors toward God's word, you know, hearing God's word, okay, that's great. What are you going to do with it? Luke chapter 6, verse 48 talks about building a solid foundation, not only in learning the truth, but actually doing the truth to have that foundation when the uh, the rains and the storms and the floods come along that your spiritual house to continue the metaphor will withstand those kinds of trials temptations tribulations suffering whatever the case may be first corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So again, part of this being diligent, having the right attitude of keeping on, keeping on, you know, learning, growing, studying, that we can, you know, abound in the the work and labor for the Lord. And finally, Brian, before I toss it over to you, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. We have uh, Paul talking to Timothy as an evangelist, almost like preacher to preacher, kind of encouraging Timothy. He says, again, in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And obviously some of that has to do with behavior and how Timothy acted and how he talked, etc. But underneath that, foundationally undergirding that would have been you know having the right attitude having a knowledge of god's word wanting a knowledge of god's word and wanting to put it into practical application so a sense of diligence we need to have as part of our mindset right yeah i like that that list because it does show as you pointed out you know once we become more mature we can do all of those things that you just talked about and in fact going back to the very first passage you touched on in hebrews chapter 5 where it talks about, you know, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. So you think about, as you touched on, you know, in the first podcast, we really said, here's how you can kind of build your spiritual foundation by becoming knowledgeable, understanding those foundational principles, but then you have to put them to use. And that's what allows us ultimately to become more mature, or we might say wise. In fact, I'll just quickly read a Hebrew definition of the word wisdom, you know, Solomon in Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom. 
And if you look at the Hebrew definition of wisdom, it says it's the knowledge and the ability to make the right choices at the opportune time. The consistency of making the right choice is an indication of maturity and development. And so ultimately, as Christians, that is such a vital part, because if we are babes spiritually, babes in maturity, we're childish, you know, as as sometimes we say, uh, we're not going to be able to do these things by, you know, like doing work for the Lord and bringing others to Christ and those kinds of things. So, so very important. Yep, definitely agree. So what else can uh, people do to sort of grow their mindset or improve their mindset? Yeah, I guess the next one that we want to consider is continually evaluating our faith. So how are we doing in these areas that we're talking about? 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So Paul is telling the church at Corinth that they need to test themselves. And ultimately the Holy Spirit is telling us the same thing. So how do we do that? How do we test ourselves? Well, a couple things that come to mind. One is if you're reading the scriptures or maybe you're listening to a sermon, you know, we want to make application, right? We want to look and say, okay, am, am I reflecting what the scriptures are teaching me here or not? And I think just asking ourselves a series of questions can often help us to test ourselves, right? Much like a physical test we take in, you know, school, uh, we want to do the same thing. So for instance, hey, what tempts me? Where am I likely to sin? Let's say I have a problem with anger and I think, oh, I've really got a handle on it. And then I explode or fly off the handle or whatever we, we say sometimes. And we see that starting to happen frequently again. So maybe we were conquering that, but now we're backsliding. Or maybe, you know, looking at a woman and lusting after her is a real problem for us. Well, we should be aware of that according to what the scriptures teach us. And we should work on that. How about where am I still spiritually weak? Where am I immature? Where am I not making the correct decisions at the opportune time? Do I have a blind spot? We all have blind spots, right? We all have areas in our lives where people see some flaw that we don't see ourselves. And, you know, so it could be our spouse, our children, our friends can tell us, hey, you know, just want you to be aware. Or the light bulb might come on once again when we read the scriptures and in, in, uh, or hear a sermon. How about, am I knowledgeable enough about the truth to objectively evaluate myself compared to the scriptures? So, if we don't know the truth, then we can't compare ourselves to the truth, right? So, of course, it, it requires that. And then how about, you know, what you touched on, Jeff, and that is, you know, contending earnestly for the faith. Are we able to do that? If somebody says, hey, here's this doctrine, and the Bible teaches it, are you knowledgeable enough about the scriptures to say, no, what you're saying is not found in the Bible, or insist on them showing you what we might call book, chapter, and verse? to back up what they're saying is true. And then you have to evaluate, well, are they twisting the scripture? Are they interpreting it correctly? Is it teaching what they're saying it's teaching? That's on each of us to be able to do that, to contend earnestly for the faith. So Jeff, just a few thoughts there on, you know, continually evaluating our faith. Right. And of course, having the, you know, proper, you know, mindset that to do self-examination. And I know sometimes we don't really want to look in the mirror (laughs) with all of our flaws, physically speaking, spiritually speaking as well, but being able, willing to candidly sort of sit down and have a conversation with ourselves 
to uh, improve. One of the other areas uh, about you know growing and improving our mindset is having a desire to be united with our you know fellow brethren uh, in the truth. And of course, you can immediately contrast with you know someone who you know, wants to pick a fight or wants to argue or wants to as as I think one passage talks about sow seeds of discord, very unchristian like, so to speak. This concept or this mindset of wanting to be united. You know, certainly we have several passages in the scriptures where it's a very important concept, you know, starting off with Jesus, the night he was betrayed in John chapter 17, praying to the Father, verses 20 and 21, with respect to asking for things for his uh, disciples, their present and future. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, and of course that includes us, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be one in us. So again, unity, being united, you know, saying the same things, believing the same things, practicing the same things, etc. Just like Jesus and the Father are so closely united in attitude, if you will, Jesus wants us to be the same way. We certainly see that same thought picked up later on in Romans chapter 15. Paul writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15 verses 5 and 6. He's starting to you know, wrap up the letter to the Romans with, Now may the God of peace and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Similarly, when he wrote a letter to the Christians over in Corinth, uh, at the beginning of the letter, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 10, notice what he says. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. So a key part of this Christian mindset is wanting to be united, you know, with our fellow brethren, wanting to be of the same mind, same judgment, speaking the same thing, etc. And I kind of emphasize those terms from the perspective of some people may want to be quote-unquote unified but it's more of a i'll use the term unity in diversity it's like go along to get along or it's a don't rock the boat or it's an i'm okay you're okay or i believe what i believe you can believe what you want to believe and so long as we both kind of acknowledge jesus that's okay we're united well No, not really, because part of unity, as these passages point out, is to, you know, think the same thing, say the same thing, speak the same things, same judgment, same doctrines, etc. So unity based on, you know, wanting to be united, but also unity based on what the scriptures say. And, you know, if, if we had a lot more of that mindset, we would have a lot less religious division, you know, squabbling within con- uh, congregations, uh, congregations splitting. 
and and certainly in the division in the larger sense you know across the religious world with all the you know thousands and thousands of denominations unfortunately all claiming to be following jesus and all claiming different things right yeah and to that point we actually spent uh, you might remember a podcast talking about unity and division and for our listeners if you're interested in hearing that if you have not episode 129 and a lot of what jeff was touching on we go into more detail you know hey there are many religions how can we all be united? Is it possible? Why are we divided? Those kinds of things. So episode 129, if you're uh, interested in that. You know, moving on, we also need to beware of stumbling. What does that mean? Well, you know, if you think about a stumbling block, as we've all probably experienced, maybe you get up in the middle of the night, there's something on the floor you didn't know was there, you trip over it, right? Well, spiritually, there's many different ways that we can stumble, or we could be a stumbling block to others. So one of the things that are dangers, I guess I should say, as a Christian is over time, you know, you can become what I might call jaded or because of what's going on in your country or your city or with your family, you sort of become callous, if you will, to what's happening in the world. And, you know, people don't care anymore. So why should I care? You can start to have that attitude and you can have, you know, apathy, you can have indifference or complacency. Well, what do those words mean? Well, apathy is a lack of interest or concern, especially regarding matters of general importance. Uh, indifference is just lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. So maybe somebody's going through a difficult time. That's their problem is your attitude. Or how about just complacency, right? You might think, well, I've reached it. I know what the Bible teaches. What else is there to learn? So you have this self-satisfaction. And, you know, it, it, the dictionary says self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. So you might say that you're self-deceived. You think you're great, but not according to the scriptures. And so we want to be very careful of self-deception. How about stumbling blocks, as I mentioned? You know, worldly friends can be a stumbling block to you. So maybe you recently put on Christ in baptism. You do not want to sever those friendships. And, and I'm not saying that you necessarily have to sever all worldly friendships. First off, you'd like to be a good example to them and to teach them and to help convert them. But if there's somebody that conducts sinful activity and they have no interest in the truth, you might ask yourself, well, do I really want to be around somebody like that? Or are they going to cause me to stumble? Because when I'm around them, they're in, in essence uh, influence me to do what's wrong. Uh, Jeff, you'd mentioned opening doors, right? We might say old habits or sins that we exposed ourselves to that are now difficult to get rid of. Maybe we're desensitized to things like entertainment, whether it's songs or movies. It's, oh, I don't mind a little language, a few sexual scenes. Uh, that's not something a Christian should be participating in because, once again, it's a stumbling block. You now feel like, well, I can get past that when the Bible talks about, you know, in Philippians 4.8, we should be thinking about things that are pure and holy and just, those kinds of things. How about are we overzealous? So we have such a zeal for God that we become judgmental towards others. You know, just, well, you're not doing everything you should. We're condemning. We hold them to a higher standard than ourselves. Or weariness, right? It could be, you know, you once again are becoming weary because of what's going on in society or with your family, right? So, hey, it's hard to convert others. And is anybody interested in the truth anymore, you might ask? Or, hey, look at the direction our country's going in. Or, you know, my family has so many problems. Well, while those are serious concerns and we should think about, what we don't want to do is become weary and well-doing, as the scriptures say, 
but instead keep that perspective that we've been talking about. False doctrine, you know, Jeff, you were talking about, you know, being tossed to and fro, right? Because you don't have a foundation. You follow every new doctrine that comes out. Well, Colossians 2.8 says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So you have to watch out for that. In fact, I like that that old saying that says, you know, if it's new, it's not true, and if it's true, it's not new. So there's always people that are coming up with things they think the scriptures teach that nobody ever thought before. It's like, you know, the Bible's been around for 2,000 years. If it's new, it's not true. You can just count on that, and, and certainly you'd want to examine that. Okay, how about covetous, covetousness and materialism? So, you know, certainly in many countries today, we live a very comfortable lifestyle. And I'm not saying it's like that for everyone everywhere. Please don't misunderstand me. But there are many countries, certainly here in the United States, where people are generally comfortable. And so as a result, they can become materialistic. Well, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. How about just a general love for the world? You know, 1 John 2, 15 through 17 warns us to do not love the world. In fact, it talks about it's the opposite, right, of love for the Lord. We can't have a love for the world if we want to be a Christian, because then it's easy for us to get caught up in that worldly behavior. So we don't glorify sinners. We don't admire people who are ungodly. We have this danger of departing from God. So you could either become too weary or you're just weak because you never grow and you fall away from the Lord. So passages like 1 Corinthians 10, 12 say, take heed lest we fall. Uh, we talked about lack of spiritual growth. That would be the next one. So that one we, we've covered thoroughly. And then how about rash decisions? You know, oftentimes emotions can cause us to make a rash decision without properly thinking it through. Well, the Christian based on biblical principles, should take a moment. They should consider what's going on. Sometimes we say as a parent, you want to count to 10 before you might discipline your child so that you don't go overboard. So things like that, right? Now, be careful of not making rash decisions. And then the last one, and I'll turn it over to you, Jeff, is, you know, this hypocrisy of others can deter our faith. So maybe you've joined a church and maybe it's a denomination, let's say, or it could even be the Lord's church, and you see people who are clearly not living as the Bible teaches. Well, that can be very discouraging. But the Bible teaches us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And so while we don't like it when people don't live as they should, we need to focus on ourselves because once again, we might have that blind spot. In fact, we will in some areas of our life. And so we just want to be careful and conscious of these things. So Jeff, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, and you know our listeners may not have been keeping count, but there's at least a dozen <laughs> things that you walk through, you know, very succinctly that all basically are wrapped around the concept of we need to be on our guard, we need to be careful because you know we can stumble, we can get into things we shouldn't get into, we can trip ourselves up and cause all kinds of heartache for ourselves, and, and certainly derail, if you will or hinder, again, this journey and this process of developing the proper uh, mindset, uh, you know, developing the proper attitudes, all different kinds and others <laughs> that, uh, you know, we didn't get into today. So again, it's like, you know, being on our guard to 
protect ourselves, to protect our mind, to, to protect our attitudes. And if you sense your attitude starting to drift, you know, pay attention because uh, the further you drift, the, the harder it is to get back. So, Brian, I think the, the next section we're going to talk about is, is start starting to kind of wrap up all the things we've been talking about in this podcast and in the previous podcast in the sense of, you know, very briefly and succinctly, this kind of a mindset we've been talking about. What does it look like? You know, kind of pulling it all together. So one of the things, again, is a willingness and an acknowledgement that it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take, you know, learning from failure, et cetera. And in fact, you know, as we've said a few times, there's what we do, how we talk, where we go, you know, the visible activity, the, the, the part of us that other people can see. But underneath the surface, just like with an iceberg, there's all the different kinds of things that we internally need to have in terms of our attitudes. You know, we've been talking about perseverance, learning from our failures, sacrifice, you know, dealing with disappointments, getting rid of bad habits, adopting good habits, you know, putting forth the, the exercise and the effort uh, and the time to you know, Bible study as an example, and also being dedicated to God. And as we mentioned in our last podcast, loving him with heart, soul, mind, spirit, strength. I mean, <laughs> all these kinds of things. Brian? Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is sometimes when people are Christians, others might look and say, you know, they're just a Christian because their parents were, or it comes so easy to them. And to your point, what they don't see is that dedication and the hard work and the trials and tribulations. And so we don't ever want to be deceived. It does absolutely take work. In fact, when we think about this idea of, you know, what does the Christian mindset look like? Uh, some of us, some of our listeners, I'm sure, have probably heard about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So no doubt, as a Christian, you have to have a growth mindset. Well, what does that mean? Well, looking at life as in, hey, failure is an opportunity to grow, right? So you learn from your mistakes. You look for that silver lining, so to speak. You believe that you can learn anything that you want. You actually embrace trying new things, not ungodly things, of course, but you challenge yourself. You say, well, maybe, you know, I haven't really taught people as much in the past, so I'm not exactly sure what to do. So, brother so-and-so, can I go and sit with you while you study with someone so I get an understanding of how you study with others? You're willing to try something that we might say is kind of out of our comfort zone. Well, what's the opposite? Well, fixed mindset often assigns blame for why we fail. You know, and so it's because, well, hey, my abilities are limited. What do you expect me to do? Or, you know, I'm, uh, my potential is already predetermined. In other words, you know, I was created in, to have limited skills. Well, that's not true because the Bible teaches us clearly that we can excel as much as we're willing to put in the effort. We can excel accordingly. And so, you know, once again, it's this can't-do attitude versus this can-do attitude, Jeff. Exactly. Uh, and continuing on with what proper Christian mindset should look like, an attitude of rejoicing, you know, a kind of a po just overall positive attitude. Psalms 118 verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, continuing on in the next chapter, Psalms 119 verses 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. You know, part of this attitude, if you will, again, is kind of a positive look, 
or positive outlook, a positive uh, perspective, you know, on life and the various bumps and bruises that, that are, or trials or tribulations or, or severe or whatever that we get ourselves into, regardless, having that sense of joy, rejoicing, etc. Another aspect is, and I'll, I'll use a term I'm going to have to define, meditating, meditating ongoing, meditating daily. Now, when I say meditate, a lot of people may think in terms of like yoga or chanting or trying to empty your mind. No, that's, that's not the kind of meditation I'm referring to. What I'm kind of referring to is more like taking time, ideally each day, to sort of you know calm your mind, focus on spiritual things, reflect on what God has done for us, perhaps learn from his word, you know, apply, renew our commitment. Certainly, as suggested in Psalms 145, verse 5, where the, the psalmist talks about, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. You know, that certainly can include, you know, reflecting on the beauties of the physical creation, you know, sunrise and changing seasons, etc., as well as on his works as recorded in the pages of Scripture. Certainly Psalms 119, 148, you know, meditating on his word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word, you know, on the scriptures. Meditating on other things, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. All right, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, there's any virtue if there's anything praiseworthy meditate on these things you know, sometimes we get you know focused on things and sometimes i'm kind of thinking like more so like in terms of entertainment injustice and uh, you know revenge movies and things that are impure and people we're, we're entertained by people sinning etc we should not be meditating on those things we should be meditating on Things, as the passage says, that are true and just and pure, good reports, etc. The other thing that, that marks, as we said in our last podcast, you know, being thankful, approaching God in prayer, supplication, rejoicing, thanksgiving, uh, etc. Uh, Brian, I'll, I'll toss it over to you for any comments before you continue to give us other aspects of a good mindset. Yeah, I like the meditation point you made. I was thinking as you were going through it of Romans 12 too, how, you know, we are transformed and our mind is renewed when we reflect and we calm ourselves and we sort of bring ourselves back to what's important in life. Uh, we were, we've been talking a lot about perspective. Well, that's perspective. You know, if you have a difficult time in this world, think about the heavenly home and what the Bible says about that, and, and the fact that this world isn't our permanent home, and, and it helps us. It can certainly help us. Also, you know, when we think about those things and how it, it helps us to keep the proper perspective, that can be done by, like, counting your blessings. You know, it's all too easy to focus on what's not going well when there are many things that we can easily take for granted. You know, do you have a roof over your head? Do you have food to eat every day? Once again, that may not be the case, and it is not the case for everyone, but often there are many things that are going quite well. So sometimes it's good just to keep perspective by reminding yourself, you know, I have it pretty good. No, I may not you know, have the best health all the time or everything I want, but you know, it's, 
there are many things that God has blessed me with. And then ultimately, you know, when we talk about keeping the proper perspective, you know, we're pressing on, as Paul said, to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I've always admired Paul because Paul was always focused on eternal life. He was focused on his brethren and and not as much in this world. In fact, he said to be with Christ is far much better than to be here in this world. And so he had no problem with eventually leaving this world. And that's what I would say is proper perspective. How about valuing the truth? You know, the Christian mindset absolutely places high value on the truth. In fact, I love how in Proverbs, Solomon, especially in the first nine chapters, teaches his son the value of wisdom and the value of the truth. And he talks about that can't be compared to rubies or gold or very precious things that the world often sees and values. It's much more valuable than that, is Solomon's point. So somebody that values the truth will grow, as we've been talking about. They'll, as Jeff pointed out, seek to be united in the truth with their brethren. They will seek to teach others the truth because they see how it can transform their lives. And then they defend the truth, right? They want to preserve it. It's all too easy over a period of time. And we see this with all the denominations and false religions in the world, that it absolutely causes a degradation in the truth over a period of time. So the Christian that loves the truth will want to preserve it. And then that kind of goes along with defending it, right? So you want to defend it from false teaching and those kinds of things. How about, you know, works, doing works to become more spiritually mature? I mean, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that's the reason God created us, to do good works that he prepared before time that we should walk in them. So somebody that's willing to put in that effort to become spiritually mature. So as we had touched on earlier in our last podcast, you're adding the fruit of the Spirit. You're getting rid of the works of the flesh. You're building that spiritual foundation so you can endure persecution and temptation and tribulation. And then ultimately, Jeff, I guess we would say you just strive for spiritual excellence. That's your goal. Yeah, good points. And, you know, maybe sort of overarching over a lot of what we've been talking about, having the right attitude or mindset to abound, uh, always pushing forward, you know, uh, abounding in the work of the Lord. In fact, I'm kind of reminded of a quote uh, by a person by the name of Will Durant, who said, we are what we repeatedly do, that excellence then is not an act, a single act, but a habit. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 58 says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Again, having the proper perspective that this is an ongoing thing and that it's something we need to be persistent about. And finally, at least for, for my section here, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, talks about whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Again, having that particular mindset and attitude. Brian? Yeah, so what does the Christian mindset look like? Well, it's resilient and it perseveres. And one passage that helps to highlight that is over in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Paul said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things were, which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
He goes on in verse 15 to say, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So I love that statement by Paul, because once again, he was focused. He put aside those things in his past, and we know that can be difficult to do, but Paul did it because he understood what was more important is looking for that goal of heaven, of eternal life. And so as he says, you have to be mature to have this mind in verse 15, and that's what we want to do. A couple other thoughts before we go into our questions and answers, having the proper mindset or growing the proper mindset, uh, encouraging the weak, storing the lost, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And finally, that sense of being prepared and ready uh, for the judgment day, looking forward to it. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 12, about looking for and hastening or eagerly awaiting the coming of the day of God. So a lot of things packed into, you know, the section of, about having the proper mindset, various characteristics, and certainly things that we would encourage our listeners to uh, consider, you know, in light of their own lives and their own attitudes and uh, make some changes. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, there's a lot. And it just shows you to become mature, it takes effort. And it also takes practice. And so just want to encourage everyone to consider these biblical principles and really work to apply them. Exactly. So as I alluded to, we're transitioning now to the final segment of the podcast, and that is some representative questions and answers to kind of help you know drive home the, the points. So Brian, looks like you get the first one, and this is submitted... And I'm probably going to butcher his name, unfortunately. Ogug Bemi, or at least something like that, writes in, Is Christianity a religion or a living faith? Yeah, I guess the short answer would be both. Uh, but, you know, let's kind of define these terms to help answer uh, that question. So, you know, this term religion kind of generically, you know, or simply means, you know, belief and worship of a God. And so it could be a false God. But as we know, there's only one God. So, you know, religion in that sense, belief and worship in God. Now, the term Christianity, kind of a simple definition is, you know, a religion based on the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so the third term, you know, faith, a simple definition of faith is the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So Christianity is a religion. And to be a Christian, one must have a living faith. And so when you think about this idea of, well, what does it mean to have a living faith? Let's look at a couple passages that'll help illustrate that. The first is over in James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. James here asks the question, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? He goes on to say, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? So in other words, you might feel a certain way, but if you don't do something, of course, you don't have that work and you don't have an active faith. He goes on in 17 to say, thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works, he says. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So 
An active faith is a working faith, one that's actively applying and doing the things that God would have us to do. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So as we've been talking about throughout these last two podcasts, diligently seeking him, that mindset is that you're learning, you're growing, you're applying, and you're doing that in, in a cyclical manner, right? You continue to do that for your entire life. Now, you know, there are many other passages that talk about faith and its importance. In fact, on our website, if you go and choose the letter F under faith, you'll see a whole bunch of articles about faith. But the Bible makes it clear that we must have a living and active faith to be pleasing to God. And, you know, what we want everyone to do is just to think about the fact that it's not just this simple, what we might call mental assent or belief in Jesus. And that's all I have to do. No, Ephesians 2.10, God created us to do good works. And when we do those works, we have that living or active faith. Jeff? Yeah, I like the kind of the the dual nature of what we're talking about here in terms of faith. As you said, it's more than just a mental feeling. It's more than just an attitude or an emotion, right? It'll actually, you know, manifest itself in what we do. The other side of that coin is, you know, there may be some people out there that think, well, you know, so long as I do things, I don't necessarily have to you know, worry or care that much about my attitude. Yes, as long as I go through the motions and, you know, check off the items, you know, I'll be okay. Uh, no, no, it's it's both, as we've been trying to drive home. It's both the attitude, mindset, as well as the behavior that results from it. So, uh, yeah, good question. What's the next one? The next question comes to us from Basayo. And he asked, if God counts our inner thoughts as speaking and a feeling can be translated into a word or words, doesn't that mean that even having a bad feeling towards Jesus can be considered sinful? And the quick answer is yes. (laughs) Uh, As we said, God judges not only what we do, but also judges our attitude and our mindset and our emotions and how we feel and how we think. Not only in their, I'll say, native state in terms of our attitude, but knowing that a lot of times our attitude will indeed manifest itself in what we say and do. Proverbs 23, 7 drives that point home. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Joshua chapter 22, verse 5, in the context of the Old Testament, he warns them, you know, but take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of God, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Certainly, Matthew chapter 15, verse 19 kind of continues that thought in terms of what our thoughts or our attitudes or our emotions can lead us to. Again, Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart, Proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, etc. And as we mentioned before, Mark 12, verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. So, yes, indeed, we have to be careful or police, if you will, not only what we do. But even how we think, and again, our, our attitude and, and our mindset. Brian? 
Those are good thoughts. And, you know, I was thinking about, as you were going through this, the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, Jesus talked a lot about in Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said, but I say, and he talks a lot about what you just mentioned, and that is how we think towards our brother, towards sexual desires. Uh, when we see somebody, those sorts of things, they absolutely matter. So appreciate that. Okay. So you get the next one from Anonymous. And I might mention, you know, when you submit a question to the website, you don't necessarily have to put your name. I mean, you can if you want to, but we certainly do need an email address so we can send the answer back to you. So this person submits anonymously. What are common complaints people use to say that Christianity is man-made? Like complaints that involve history. Uh, the reason I say this is that today my history teacher said that it, uh, referring to Christianity, is man-made. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and I can certainly speak about the United States. I don't know if it's like this in the rest of the world, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it is. And unfortunately, in our country, all of our educational institutions, whether we might call it kindergarten through 12 or our colleges, are replete with professors or teachers that either don't believe in God or they, you know, an atheist, for instance, or they might be agnostic, whatever the case might be. But often they'll say things like that. Well, it's just, a, you know, an invention of man or it's man-made. Well, for us to understand the kinds of complaints that people make or claims, we want to talk again about, you know, these terms Christian and Christianity. Now, most people in the religious world consider someone to be a quote-unquote Christian if they simply believe in God. So sometimes not only as it relates to how you define Christian, but you'll have people say, well, these are all the different Christian religions, and they're making a distinction between like Islam or Buddhism or whatever. So they kind of wrap everything under the umbrella of, well, if you believe in God or you believe in Jesus, you're a Christian. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us, first off, we must be a follower of Christ, which means that we faithfully adhere to what he teaches, and it requires baptism for the remission of sins. That's how you become a Christian. When you look at all of these other religions in the world, what you'll find is that they were not founded by Jesus, but men. So Jesus talks about his church that he founded when he died on the cross, and on the day of Pentecost it started. But yet when you look at all these other world religions, going back to the Catholic Church established in 606 AD, so if something was established 600 years, roughly, could we really say that they're a, a church of Christ, the church of the Lord? How about the Lutheran church that was founded by Martin Luther in 1520 in Germany? Well, that's 1,500 years, roughly, right, after the church was founded. Or even the Jehovah's Witnesses in 1872 by Charles Russell in America, once again. So, you know, just to help determine, are they the church that we read about in the New Testament? Well, you, you can compare what they practice, and if it matches what was done by the church in the first century, well, then it would be the Lord's church. So regardless of the title they put on it, but I'm here to tell you that if you dig into the Roman Catholic Church, Lutheran Church, Jehovah's Witnesses, and so forth, Mormonism, put all those in there, what you'll find is they are not adhering to what the scriptures teach. In fact, often they take elements of the old law and sprinkle it with the new law, and, and so it becomes apparent. So when people complain or make the statement that Christianity is man-made, it's most likely because they lump all these major religions into the Christianity category, knowing that they were founded by men. 
But as we've touched on, the true church was founded by Jesus. We see that in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, and not by any man or woman for that matter. Mary Baker Eddy in the Christian Scientist, right? So men and women have founded churches. So the last thing I'll share here, and then Jeff, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, is that, you know, sometimes another reason or complaint that people may call the Bible or religion man-made is because the Bible is written by men. And so some will say, well, there you go, it was written by men. But passages like 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 make it clear that the men who did write were moved or inspired by the Holy Spirit. So you could choose not to believe that, right? And then therefore say, well, it's man-made. But if you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then you should believe that God inspired men, as he states, through the Holy Spirit to ensure that what we have today is his will. Jeff? Yeah, lots of good thoughts. And what I might also do is sort of tie this back into having a good mindset that of wanting to know truth you know religious truth searching for it in the scriptures being willing to perhaps acknowledge that the the religious group that you belong to or the denomination that you belong to that does not reflect you know what the truth of the scriptures have in them and be willing to you know search and find a group of fellow faithful Christians, you know, as we would say in the Lord's church, you know, to join yourself to. And all of that is kind of wrapped also into this concept of, you know, having the right attitude and, you know, having the right mindset. And I think we got uh, at least one more question. I think it's mine. It is. Yeah. So this question comes from Steve. Steve asks, when you see Christianity as levels, what is your description of someone who is in basic Christianity, intermediate Christianity, and advanced Christianity? Interesting. Yeah, it is kind of an interesting question. And certainly, as we saw earlier in the podcast, the Bible does talk about Christians going through the learning, growing, becoming more mature process. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, and 1 Peter chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, as, as a reminder. Now, we have to admit that the New Testament doesn't really explicitly speak in terms of, you know, levels. You know, basic, intermediate, advanced, uh, as an example. But, you know, there are some things I would say, and this is kind of somewhat opinion, generally some things that tend to be associated with what I might call different levels of maturity. I mean, for instance, when you have a person who, you know, first becomes a Christian, a babe in Christ, we might refer to, they are certainly more of a learner. I mean, they're learning first principles about Christianity, as we mentioned a few moments ago, about religious denominations, uh, salvation, how to pray, how to worship, etc. Various aspects of the Bible that might be termed as milk, you know, milk of the word, you know, Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verse 13. And along with that, they're most likely learning about things that we do and say that are wrong, what we might call sins of commission, things we do that we shouldn't, things we say that we shouldn't, places we go that we shouldn't, language that we use that we shouldn't, etc. Okay? So a lot of the you know overt doing things wrong that we need to stop. That's kind of a more of a basic level. If I were to try to describe a more intermediate level, a couple thoughts that occur in my mind in that level or that stage, if you will, starting to learn about things we don't do 
but that we should be doing. We've kind of hinted at that a little bit today, you know, in terms of Bible study and prayer and talking to others, etc., uh, that we might call sins of omission. It's one thing to stop using vulgar language, right? It's something else to you know, like take the next step and do the things we should be doing. I might also add to that, now having learned quite a bit, hopefully now you're able to start conversing with others, you know, about what you've learned. So again, kind of an intermediate level. I think in terms of advanced Christianity, you know, this is going on into, you know, graduate studies or, or whatever, you know, analogy you want to use. Certainly within the Bible, there are some, I would call, hard to understand topics. In fact, Peter even acknowledges that in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, where he is talking about some of the things that Paul has written. Verse 15, uh, our beloved brother Paul, according to wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all of his epistles, speaking of them, which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. So yeah, there's some kind of meaty topics in the Bible that are kind of hard to understand that a newborn babe probably should you know kind of stay away from. Classic example, you know, someone becomes a baptized brand new Christian and they immediately want to jump into the book of Revelation, right? Not a good place to start. You want to talk about, you know, types of food. You're talking about steak <laughs> and kind of a grisly steak <laughs> when you're, you know, talking about, you know, prophecy and figurative language, etc. As a, as a kind of a hard to understand topics that, you know, more advanced Christians need a lot of maturity and, and knowledge and background before trying to, to tackle. You know, the other thing that I might mention in terms of advanced Christianity is, you know, when you get into cases of having the wisdom and the maturity to handle more aggressive forms of persecution or more pronounced forms of suffering or trials or tribulations, now we're talking about a, a pretty mature Christian that can deal with some of these harder, more challenging topics. So for whatever it's worth, basic, intermediate, advanced, again, it's, it's a process. It's a journey. It's an ongoing uh, growth process, basically, for as long as we live. Yeah, good points. In fact, I think it really helps to wrap up this two-part episode because that's really what we've been talking about through these two podcasts. And that is, it really starts out with that commitment to the Lord. It's understanding those foundational principles. It's applying them to your life and exercising them by reason of use to become more mature. And then getting to that point where you can handle, as you've just been touching on, some of these more intermediate, advanced things. And then always being careful to not twist the scriptures or to be deceived by others who have twisted the scriptures, you know, by taking passages in like Revelation and Isaiah and others that are figuratively speaking and trying to make them literal and those kinds of things. So, uh, Jeff, let me give you the final word before I point folks back to the website. Well, and once again, we've tossed in, you know, in in two relatively, uh, you know, lengthy podcasts, almost two hours worth. A lot of material, a lot of scriptures, a lot of aspects. And again, certainly we would encourage our listeners to, you know, ponder, consider, you know, rewind, listen to, etc. You know, dig into the scriptures. 
because there's a lot to having a proper mindset, attitude, motion uh, as Christians. Yeah, that's so true. And hopefully our listeners have been impressed by the number of scriptures that help us to understand these topics. The Lord, certainly through the Holy Spirit, has given us the wisdom we need to understand these things. And so to encourage everyone to continue your learning in this area, we encourage you to go to our website, biblequestions.org. And under the topics menu, you'll see several articles that have been written and previous questions kind of sorted alphabetically. So if you go to the letter C, you can find several articles and questions that have been answered about the church and about Christian living in general. If you look at the letter F, you can see uh, the same for faith and also H for Holy Spirit. And then one final section I'll mention is we were talking about the idea of testing ourselves and examining ourselves to see whether or not we are in the faith. Well, if you go to our website under Christian Living and Self-Assessment, there's an aid that Jeff actually put together, a really nice aid that just kind of helps answer or ask ourselves some questions to see if we are indeed in the faith. In fact, Jeff and I also recorded a two-part episode, episodes 98 and 99, where we went through that uh, document that he put together. It's in a PDF form. You can download it. would encourage you to do that because ultimately we also want to make sure, regardless of what we think, we want to compare our lives and our spiritual walk with the scriptures to ensure we're walking as God would have us to. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org, where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of Bible topics, along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. Plus, you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at biblequestions.org.